Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the Hydrogen Nowcast, recorded on May 24, 2020. This podcast is devoted to encouraging the deployment of fuel cell EVs, hydrogen fueling, and hydrogen infrastructure throughout the world. The Hydrogen Nowcast is a production of the Colorado Hydrogen Network in Denver, Colorado. In each podcast, we'll interview the people, organizations, companies, and municipalities that are working to produce or deploy hydrogen infrastructure. We'll discuss their plans and strategies, successes, and lessons learned. Our intent is to encourage and motivate others to take charge to help deploy hydrogen as a means to decarbonize transportation and accelerate the movement to stop climate change. I'm Brian DeBruin, the Director of Operations for the Colorado Hydrogen Network, and I'm joined today by Charlotte Hamilton, our Communications Director. Hello, everyone. Well, Charlotte, what do we have in store for our listeners this episode? Last time in our first podcast, we talked about the fundamentals of hydrogen and fuel cells. This time, why don't we discuss the Colorado Hydrogen Network Organization, how it was formed, who is involved, the plans and initiatives. That's a great idea. You know, I think it's important to tell the story of the Colorado Hydrogen Network, um, not just to satisfy, satisfy people's curiosity, but to show how other people might do the same thing. You know, as I mentioned in our last episode, my background is in both engineering and business, and I retired after working 36 years for Honeywell Aerospace, where I led engineering teams and new business pursuits. But since around 2006, you know, I've been waiting for the deployment of fuel cell EVs and hydrogen fueling here in the U.S., and I've been really frustrated at the lack of progress. But based on my knowledge and experience from my engineering career in designing and deploying large projects, I had ideas on how to help address this. So when I retired, I decided to try to do something about it. So tell us how you got started. Well, it was clear to me that uh, the issue is that both the vehicles and fueling need to be deployed together. However, that requires two very different businesses, you know, specifically automakers and fuel suppliers. And Neither of those industries is in the business of providing both the vehicles and the fuel stations, so there was nobody really to coordinate and orchestrate the process. But I decided if I could convince some organization to take on the sponsorship of deploying both vehicles and fuel stations at the same time, that could resolve the stalemate. So where did you start? Well, my first idea was to join Al Gore's Climate Reality Project, which I did. You know, in fact, that's how you and I met. But... It turns out that they're not really in the business of sponsoring businesses. However, through the Climate Reality Group, I met a fellow member who was on the board of the Denver Regional Air Quality Council. So I got the idea to ask her that if she could get me in to make a presentation to their board, uh, which she did, I was hoping that they would take on a project of sponsoring at least one hydrogen fuel station. But just like with climate reality, sponsoring a project like this was kind of outside their charter. So then what did you do? Well, as luck would have it, um, attending my presentation with the Denver Regional Air Quality Council was the director of another Colorado state agency. And it turns out that he also had been thinking about deploying a small number of low-cost hydrogen fuel stations. So we've been communicating ever since, and he's currently working to try to get some funding approved for some fuel stations. Now, unfortunately, the COVID virus has slowed down those efforts, but we're hopeful progress on that will resume once the virus subsides. Now, at this point in time, uh, the Colorado Hydrogen Network Organization still didn't exist. 
However, the deputy director of the Regional Air Quality Council suggested that I talk to the Colorado Energy Office, and he introduced me to some people there. Now, they were pretty receptive to my ideas, and they suggested that I meet with some key people at, at NREL, the National Renewable Energy Labs, which we're lucky to have here in the Denver area. And again, an introduction was made for me, and I was invited out to the labs to discuss ideas and get a tour of their facility. Oh, that's pretty exciting. What did you see at NRO? Well, I was pretty impressed with their capabilities. You know, besides doing all the studies and collecting data that they publish, they also have numerous labs for testing fuel cells and electrolyzer and other components of hydrogen systems. Also, uh, they currently have the only hydrogen fuel station in Colorado, but unfortunately, since the NREL campus is closed to the public, the fuel station is only for NREL's use. You know, another key enabler that happened in September of 2019 was that Colorado passed the California Zero Emission Vehicle Regulations. Without the ZEV, as they're called, regulations in place, automakers would have been pretty unlikely to want to deploy fuel cell vehicles in Colorado. Can you tell us more about the ZEV or the Zero Emission Vehicle Regulations? Yeah, the, the ZEV regulations use a point system to incentivize automakers to sell low and zero emission vehicles. And it was enacted in California, but other states are allowed to adopt it. Now, uh, the most points are given for zero emission vehicles like battery or fuel cell EVs, but hybrid vehicles can also earn points as well. And uh, this actually goes into effect in Colorado with the uh, 2023 model year. When did you decide to start the organization, which is now the Colorado Hydrogen Network? Well, I continued to contact everybody I could think of to try to get traction for this idea of sponsoring some low-cost hydrogen fuel stations. And along the way, many people suggest, had suggestions of others to talk to, and the guys at NREL were especially helpful. So it turns out one of the people I contacted, you know, just to get some ideas, was a guy by the name of Gordon Dash of Dash 2 Energy. And Gordon has that company that sells modular hydrogen fuel stations. And during the conversation, I asked him for ideas on what, you know, what could I do? And it was actually Gordon who suggested that I start a nonprofit advocacy group. Wow, I mean, that's a great idea. Yeah, you know, that hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, this was exactly what we needed in Colorado, you know, to get everybody organized, networked, you know, communicating and working toward the same goals. However, I thought that really before I started an organization, I really should have some buy-in or some chartering to give the organization legitimacy. So I hit on the idea of holding a meeting and inviting all the people that I've been going around talking to. I decided that I'd tell them you know, what I planned to do and ask for their comments and whether they supported my idea to start this nonprofit advocacy group. And so in effect, I was kind of looking for their blessing. And were they open to participating? Boy, to say that they were would be an understatement. I mean, once the word got out that this meeting was happening, all sorts of other organizations asked if they could be invited as well. Uh, for example, the Colorado Department of Transportation, uh, the U.S. Department of Energy, and the Colorado Clean Tech Industries Association. Oh, wow. So you had the meeting and everyone gave you the thumbs up to start the Colorado Hydrogen Network? Well, yes, but uh, it gets even better. There was another part to the story. Oh, do tell. As it turns out, while I was talking to organizations in the Denver area trying to get something going, unbeknownst to me and totally by coincidence, 
Two guys up in Fort Collins, which is about an hour north of Denver, were doing something similar. They were pulling together a group of Colorado hydrogen companies to charter a similar organization, while I was focused on the local, state, and federal agencies. Wow. So what did you do? Well, I heard about them from NREL, and uh, the guys at NREL told me that these two guys up in Fort Collins were having a kickoff meeting uh, just a couple of weeks ahead of mine. So I attended their kickoff and told the group about the plans I was making in Denver, and we all decided to join forces. You know, it would have been foolish to have two similar organizations working for the same goals. Right. So can you tell me more about the two guys in Fort Collins? Well, the first one is Franz Westenbrink, who's a retired vice president and general manager from Woodward Incorporated in Fort Collins. And the other is uh, Dr. Brian Wilson, who's the executive director of the Colorado State University Energy Institute. Nice. It sounds like some pretty high-powered collaborators. Yeah, indeed. And now Franz and I are the co-directors of the Colorado Hydrogen Network, and Dr. Brian Wilson is our technology officer. Okay. And we didn't finish the story about the charter meeting for the Colorado Hydrogen Network in Denver. Oh, right. So after the Fort Collins charter meeting, a couple weeks later, we held the Denver charter meeting. And uh, the group endorsed our ideas and even suggested including network in the name. Um, We also decided to organize under the sponsorship of the Colorado Clean Tech Industries Association, or CCIA. Why did you pick the name Network? Well, that's a really important point. You know, what motivated all of us to start the Colorado Hydrogen Network was the realization that there were quite a number of stakeholders, and by that I mean, you know, people, organizations, and companies in Colorado, who wanted to see hydrogen technology and fuel cell EVs deployed, but it needed something to get it started. So we realized that if we could create an entity that could act as a clearinghouse for communication and to focus initiatives, this would be the needed step to bringing everyone together for a common goal, to deploy hydrogen technology. So in effect, we created the hub of a network, in other words, like a super node in uh, networking jargon. And can you tell us more about the characteristics of networks? Well, you know, we're all familiar with networks, whether it's social networks like Facebook or LinkedIn or networks of friends and business associates or even you know computer networks. People sometimes use the expression they're networking to develop contacts. But what a lot of people are not as familiar with are the characteristics of networks, which are really quite powerful. For example, networks really speed communications between the nodes, in other words, the people in the network, and networks by their nature tend to gather more and more nodes and connections. Well-connected and well-placed nodes are the most successful because new nodes prefer to link to successful nodes. So, you know, the old adage, nothing succeeds like success. Hmm. What are some of the other powers of networks? Well, there's another really interesting phenomenon of networks called degrees of separation. And many people may have heard of the movie Six Degrees Separation. And the premise of that movie is that any two people on Earth are connected by an average of just six people between them, which actually is not far off. You know, Facebook did a study a few years back, and they found that at that time of the 721 million people on Facebook, any two people could be connected by an average of only 4.75 people between them. Now, here's a personal example of networking. Last fall, I wanted to contact the Colorado governor's energy staffer to ask him to ask the governor to support fuel cell EVs. 
So around this time, I was having a conversation with a dear friend of mine who I've known since second grade when I lived in Wisconsin. And I was telling her about this, and she said, oh, she knew the son of a, a close friend of hers worked for the Colorado governor, and perhaps he could get me introduced. So she contacted her friend, the friend contacted his son, and the son agreed to introduce me to the governor's energy staffer. So I was able to set up with meeting, a meeting with him, and so there's an example of just four degrees of separation. That's amazing. Well, let's talk about the mission and the vision of the Colorado Hydrogen Network. What are our goals and what are we trying to accomplish? Well, the Colorado Hydrogen Network, or CHN, is an advocate for the deployment of hydrogen technology, which is really key to the energy transition. And by energy transition, I mean the conversion from fossil fuels to renewable electricity. Hydrogen can easily be generated from renewable electricity by splitting water molecules and then easily converting them back to electricity. Now, we're working to organize and bring the stakeholders together, basically to network them, around the common goal of hydrogen deployment. The transportation sector is a huge focus of, of ours, but also one of the most difficult to tackle. Now, deploying fuel cell vehicles requires deploying hydrogen fueling stations at the same time, as I've already mentioned. And it also requires the collaboration with the electric utilities to get favorable rates. And these in interdependencies need a sponsor to coordinate all the elements. Now, in some places like California, the government is stepping in to fill that role through the funding of fuel stations. But you know, most other state governments can't afford that. But we at the Colorado Hydrogen Network think there's another way, which is a sponsorship and then a market-based approach. So let's unpack that a bit. Why do the electric utilities need to be considered? Well, as we talked about in the first podcast, Hydrogen is made by splitting water molecules with renewable electricity, and of course, hydrogen needs to be sold at a price per mile comparable with gasoline. So thankfully, fuel cell EVs are more than twice as efficient as gasoline vehicles, so this helps to make them cost comp competitive. So when you do all the math, this determines the price of electricity you need so that the price per mile to operate a fuel cell EV is no more than the price per mile for a gasoline vehicle. And this is lower than most current residential electric rates, but right on par with some electric rates that some of the utilities offer for EV charging, at least here in Colorado. So around the country, hydrogen generation community needs to work with the local electrical utilities to obtain these rates. It seems like the price of electricity is what it is. Why do you expect to get favorable rates? Well, there are two issues that the electric utilities face, which are created by the energy transition. But I think there's a way that each of these issues can be used to solve the other. Now first, today utilities balance the grid by regulating the output of their generators to match the usage or the load. However, wind and solar aren't really controllable in the same way that coal or gas generator is. And utilities use the term non-dispatchable for this type of resource. Now, since the utilities have to match the output of energy generated to the load, this becomes kind of problematic with wind and solar. So that's the first problem. And secondly, as transportation converts from petroleum to electricity, this will place huge new demands on the grid. But the way that both issues could be largely solved is if the utilities switched over from controlling the energy source, which in this case is wind and solar, 
to controlling the load, which in this case is the generation of hydrogen, as a means to balance the grid. So they would be given the control to turn the hydrogen generation on and off. And so hydrogen generation could be turned on when the output from wind and solar are high, but demand is low. And hydrogen generation could be turned off when wind and solar output is low and demand is high. So hydrogen generators could give this control to the utilities in exchange for the low electricity rates. Could the utilities get by with generating 100% of their power from wind and solar? Or would backup generators or energy storage be needed? Well, it depends on a lot of factors and local conditions. For example, if the wind generators are spread geographically, you know, some may be producing energy when others are idle. Um, and utilities may have other forms of energy that they could use, like maybe geothermal or hydroelectric sources. Also, there will be a lot of idled uh, natural gas turbines, which could be converted to run on hydrogen as a backup generator or peaker plants. Now, utilities give the name peaker plant to a generator that's usually used only during peak loads. So, depending on the situation of each utility, these factors may be enough or they may, may need some sort of energy storage like maybe pumped hydro or compressed air or even batteries. A lot of people are probably thinking, why do we need fuel cell EVs? Why don't we just use battery EVs and be done with it? You know, battery EVs are a great solution for smaller vehicles and short hops around town. But for people who take longer trips or use a vehicle in cold weather, like skiing, or want to tow trailers, or if they have an RV, you know, fuel cells are going to be much more practical because of the unlimited range, because of refueling, you know, quick refueling time, great cold weather performance, and suitability for large vehicles or towing trailers. So, you know, we need to acknowledge that in order to address climate change, we need EV solutions that entice all of the current users to switch from petroleum-powered vehicles to EVs. And battery EVs alone, I don't think will satisfy everyone in every use. So we need both solutions, both battery and fuel cell EVs. Well, let's talk a bit about what the Colorado Hydrogen Network is doing now. We've been in existence for around five months. What have been the accomplishments and what's in work? Well, of course, the first activity was to incorporate in the state of Colorado and to build a website. You know, these days you pretty much don't exist unless you have a website. So around Christmas of 2019, we incorporated and we launched colorado-hydrogen.org. And, uh, you know, listeners can go to that website to learn more or ask to be on our contact list to receive either the monthly newsletter or be invited to the meetings. The next thing is that Franz Westenbrink and I have been busy contacting as many hydrogen and energy organizations around the world as we can. We've had telecons with them, and we've linked our organizations together through our websites. In other words, we're, we're building a network. There's that network idea again. Yeah, well, it's a really powerful concept. You know, when our organizations become familiar with each other, we can collaborate and share ideas. Additionally, People and companies can find organizations more easily if they are connected through a network. So is it all just communicating and networking at this point? Well, no, not at all. We've been um, working with uh, a couple of the cities along the front range of the Rocky Mountains to apply for federal grants for fuel cell buses. Well, wait, you better explain what you mean by the front range in Colorado. Oh, good point. You know, if uh, you look at a topographical map of Colorado, you see that the eastern half of the state is pretty flat. 
And then as you travel westward, the Rocky Mountains start pretty abruptly along a line from north to south. And that wall of mountains creates a natural boundary. So there's a whole line of cities along the east side of that line of mountains from Fort Collins on the north, Denver, Boulder in the middle, uh, and Colorado Springs and Pueblo on the south. And they generally fall along Interstate 25. And locally, this region is known as the Front Range. And that's in contrast to the mountain towns like Vail, Breckenridge, Steamboat, or Aspen, or what's called the Western Slope towns like Grand Junction and Montrose. What other initiatives is the Colorado Hydrogen Network involved in? Well, our biggest push is to try to deploy a pilot program of a few hydrogen fuel stations and obtain a few fuel cell EVs to use with it. And the idea is to make this a pilot project to demonstrate to politicians and the media and the public that fuel cell EVs are real, they exist, and so does hydrogen fueling. We want to use this to demonstrate for investors that hydrogen fueling can be cost competitive with gasoline. We've also been talking with the Colorado Energy Office about creating a Colorado hydrogen roadmap. And they've actually decided to do that. Unfortunately, it may be put on hold because of revenue issues caused by COVID. Let's talk about um, the plans to deploy hydrogen fuel stations. You mentioned that we're working towards deploying a few pilot stations. What happens after that? Well, that's a good point. So what we have in mind is actually a three-phase plan. And phase one is just to get a few stations deployed with a handful of vehicles, you know, and hopefully at least one commercial vehicle like uh, a bus or a truck. And this would be just a proof of concept to show the, this idea to politicians and the media and public and investors. And phase two would be the deployment of enough fuel stations so that the automakers feel comfortable about starting to sell and lease fuel cell EVs in Colorado. Um, and the fuel stations may still be modular, although we won't preclude the inclusion of permanent full-scale fuel stations. And then phase three would be full-scale deployment of permanent stations. Of course, the modular fuel stations will continue to be used indefinitely throughout the state. They'd just be moved to new locations as the number of fuel cell EVs grows. If our listeners want to get involved, help, or just learn more, what should they do? Well, anyone can subscribe to the Colorado Hydrogen Network newsletter by going, again, to our website, which is colorado-hydrogen.org, and uh, fill in the newsletter subscription form. Uh, the website also has a document on the resources page, which tells the fundamentals of hydrogen and fuel cells. Next, if you're somebody who lives in Colorado and um, would like to send a quick email to the Colorado Energy Office, just asking them that you want fuel cell EVs to be available in Colorado and ask them to support those. And, you know, this is important for skiers and people like ranchers or contractors that need a big vehicle or one capable of towing. And, of course, if you take trips over 200 miles or drive a recreational vehicle, you'd also be somebody interested in fuel cell EVs. And then if you're an investor or a philanthropist, you could consider investing in fuel stations. You know, contact us at the Colorado Hydrogen Network for more information about what that really involves. Um, and if you own or work for a manufacturing company, you know, there's an opportunity to manufacture low-cost fueling infrastructure. You know, all new technologies are pretty expensive at first until companies start building tooling to mass produce the product. 
And this is the case with hydrogen fuel stations right now. You know, as an engineer who worked in this field, I think that fuel station infrastructure could probably be reduced in cost by at least 10 times. And lastly, I would encourage anyone around the world who's interested in doing something in your area to establish fuel cell EVs, go ahead and contact us through the website. You know, we can discuss ideas. Okay, so this has been a great discussion. If you enjoy listening to the Hydrogen Nowcast, please rate the podcast in your podcast app. A good rating helps us be discovered by other people. Also, word of mouth recommendations are really important, so consider letting people in your own network let them know about the Hydrogen Nowcast. Until next time, this is Charlotte Hamilton and Brian DeBruin wishing you health and prosperity. Goodbye. Goodbye.